All right, so we changed it up. We're live now, but uh, we're in person now. So uh, story goes, we used to have a studio, uh, but the studio didn't confirm, which is okay. I think these these podcasts are easier when you don't need to look at the other person in the eye. So I guess yeah. it's going to be better. We're just looking at ourselves. We're using uh, like the streaming software. It's honestly much better. This feels more organic to kind of how we are. You're more into, we were just talking about, this is like the Google Docs selling of podcasts. Yeah. It's like, we're not doing like the fancy websites and the fancy landing pages or the fancy recording studios. It's literally Google Docs and this, <laughs> a webcam. <laughs> like it's my cell phone. It's my cell phone on a MacBook and I just brought my mic over here. This is my girlfriend's setup and we just stole it so yeah so if you ask why the boobs in the background <laughs> <laughs> i swear this is not my office <laughs> <laughs> all right so <clears throat> welcome to the alexa cash bot uh now we're doing it live because um cause why not so we're here from miami this is currently january 2024 let's see how we end up so i have a question for you in december i asked you what your goal was what was your goal in terms of money and how how close are you getting to it so my goal for the end of the year is three million in revenue it's like two point it's actually like 2.9 but that's because the bottom line of that is going to be like 1.8 or 1.9 after taxes and after margin and everything like that i'd say we are definitely a little below it in terms of so the, the way i did the math did I pull this up on the last podcast? The way I did the math is I re reverse engineered the revenue into like how many new clients, what's our churn rate and stuff like that. So we did good things and we've, we've hit part of the goals and we haven't hit the other ones. So the ones we've hit is we have 100% retention right now. Uh, we didn't get any churn at all. So we've completely have just retained every client now. So that's been a big win um, because we've been delivering better results and we've also introduced some new platforms. So the next thing that we've hit is we've been increasing our average invoice because we've introduced LinkedIn and we're able to now drive in not just one platform worth of results, but two. The ones we haven't hit is getting new clients. And part of that's on me. Like, I just don't even, <laughs> I like really don't even tweet that much. We had four launches and I really just wanted to focus on the clients that we got because they were really, really good clients. And I'm like, I really want to crush it and just knock it out of the park for these guys, which we have. Um, but I haven't put any effort into marketing, to be fair. So, <laughs> like, that's a like. And cash. That was not cash. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. If you're uh, in the YouTube one, you understand. So, you yeah. do something that's really right and, you, and something that I don't understand why, why you do it. You are uh, like, most of my clients come from referrals. I'm like, well, obviously you're doing a good job. But why the hell are you not marketing? Yeah. You know what it is? It's like, for me to go and get and have maintained like 20 clients and instead of like 10 to 12 clients, it's going to require us to bring on and expand the team. And part of me, I love my team right now. And I'm just like, I got to bring on a whole new person. And I think that's like a mental block, more of a limiting belief. But if I go and if I go and bring on another writer and another team member and get them to the same level as our current team, it'll be fine. But I've had the same the same team for a long time, like a year. So I haven't really we haven't really recruited in a while. So I think that's kind of the hurdle right now. We're just we have like the little Avengers. It's like, how do you get into the Avengers? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know how like in the Avengers, they the way that a new Avenger comes about is someone just has superpowers. 
and they're just like, you should be an Avenger. Yeah, they're just good. We're looking for that. We're looking for someone that's just an Avenger that we could just add in. But so like when when I started writing, well, when I when I did that business, which was writing for others like copywriting, it was really hard to find an Avenger because the Avengers were um, vigilantes. They were on their own. They were making their own money. Mm. So it was hard for me to hire. So how do, how do you uh, find a good writer that doesn't go vigilante? Yeah. So what's well, how much how much time are we into this podcast? Just like two minutes. All right. I'm breaking the rule. So one thing that Layla Hormozzi said. Oh, there, uh, no. so if you don't get it, it's like inside we, joke. Yeah, we did an inside joke. How long can Marcus go without mentioning any of the Hormozzi? So the answer is two minutes. It's such good advice. So you could you could realistically say Marcos lasts two minutes. Listen, the advice is good. And the advice is that in order to attract A players, you have to become that A player that attracts uh, others. And like, you always have to be getting better and blah, blah, blah. But at the time, you know, especially now, but especially back then when ghostwriting was hot, you know, I was seen as one of the kind of top ghostwriters in the industry. So naturally, beginner ghostwriters want to come and join our mission because they're like, if this is the best ghostwriting team, I want to be a part of that. And that's how I was able to attract a lot. I think the flip side of actually maintaining them instead of them going and starting their own thing is one is we just provide so much more than ghostwriting. And I think they know that. And it's like they are artists and they want to focus on the art. And I provide that foundation for them to focus on the art. You I'm, know? Cu- I'm curious on how you provide more than just ghostwriting. How? Yeah. So our clients, you know, they want content. Yes. But I've always maintained the fact and I've been saying this since the first episode is like, I want our clients to make money. I want our clients to make money and not just content because if they make more money than they pay us, we'll have a client for a lifetime. And that's proven true. I've had some of our clients for over a year now. Um, We help our clients make money through sales consulting, through sales team building, through funnel building. We give them advice on how to monetize their email list. We help them repurpose our content to other platforms. We have an entire design service that designs all the threads into carousels that they can go use on TikTok and Instagram, et cetera. We provide not just threads, not just tweets, but we provide content that they can go and put on all platforms and the actual sales process to monetize it. So, you know, I'm focused on doing all of that. We have an operations manager, we have a sales manager, and I allow our writing team to really focus on the art that is writing. And on top of that, I do still edit the content as well. So it's like, I do wear a lot of hats, but it's worth it. Well, there you go. Yeah. One thing that um, somebody asked me on the Slack the other day that I think I want, I want to jam with you on, because we're both writers of heart. Mm-hmm. Like I started writing, I stopped doing the whole talking head videos. And if you see any talking head videos for me, it's from this podcast, because like the podcast is fun, right? But like recording myself talking about here are 10 tips to 10x your <laughs> like you're, you won't catch me doing right. any of that ever. Uh, I'm a writer at heart. Marcus is a writer at heart. But some somebody asked me this, and, and I want your take on it. So um, they said, how much practice or how long did it take you to get good at writing? Any tips or resources for someone learning to write better? I'm realizing I'm not that good at writing as I write more emails. To this, I said, there's six stages to writing. So you know how when you start lifting, this like in the beginning, you don't really know what you're doing. 
And then it's like you kind of know and then you do it, but you're fat and then you want to lean down and then you get body dysmorphia and then you realize you're not as strong and then you bulk up again and you realize it's like you had the answers all along. So when writing comes, I said on six, uh, there's six steps. So number one, you're right. Number two, you think you're awesome. Number three is you realize you're not that awesome. Number four is you copy others and get some success. Number five is you get tired of copying. And number six is you realize you were always good and sometimes you simply didn't feel like it. So when I write, it's often that Picasso uh, uh, said that his favorite works were the ones that he did in the beginning because he didn't have a lot of habits and just things that he used to do and he was more free. And I think with writing, it's kind of like that. Like writing is more of like a source you tap into. Of course, it's a skill you develop, but sometimes you're just in it, you're just in it. So to me, writing is more, it's obviously about skill, but it's also about timing. If you're feeling it, that's when you should write. And even if you're not that experienced, you'll write some good stuff. But if I were to ask you, how much practice or how long did it take you to get good at writing? And any tips or resources for someone to learn to write better? What'd you say? I think so. There's two answers to this question. I do believe that there are people who have a talent for writing off the rip. And I do think it can be trained. And I think so. I think there's two answers. Um, Like for me, for example, I've personally been pretty good at writing. It's one of my strong suits since high school. Um, My personality types, INFP, it's a writing. It's like meant to be a writer. Um, Writing was always. Yeah. INFP is what Shakespeare was. Um, it was actually what Edgar Allan Poe was as well, famous poet. So not only that, but I was also my highest SAT grading was on the writing portion. And then after that, I started a blog when I was 18 years old. So I kind of have a lot of a writing experience before I came into ghostwriting at what, how old was I? 20, 24. So I was like, I had many years of like pre-writing before I, all I had to do was then apply what JK had taught, which was thread writing, tweet writing, et cetera. So I already knew how to write in terms of, I had a really good vocabulary. And I- What already, was that blog on? My blog, it was, it was myname.com, doesn't exist anymore. Um, it was myname.com and it was basically just my, it was documenting my journey as an early entrepreneur while being in the military. And I had, I started that blog right after I read Crushing It by Gary Vee which was like, if you document your journey back then, documenting your journey was awesome, by the way. It's not a thing anymore, in my opinion. It's kind of outdated. But at the time, documenting your journey was very hot and it worked really well. Um, so I was writing blogs like, <laughs> like this is how I made, or this is the book I read today, like Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And then I would like auto link my Rich Dad Amazon associates and I'd make like eight cents. <laughs> so it was honestly pretty cool. Um, so that's number one. I do think people have a talent for it. Two is I think it's learned like anything else over a long period of time of experience. And like, I just, here's the story. I just recently started jujitsu. I've taken like maybe seven, six or seven classes now. And I've just been getting bodied. <laughs> like, like I'll be rolling and I'm like, I'll be in a tri- like triangle choke from this little kid. And I'm just like, I can't believe a little kid has the power to like break my arm or choke me out. And I'm just like, holy, I don't know anything. But every class I learn something new and I add it to my toolbox. And it's just like writing, right? As you do it over and over and you continue to learn and you learn and you go to, for example, you go to JK's email workshop and you pick up one call to action and one email, you add that to your toolbox. And then you write a week's worth of content on Twitter and you learn one thread that did better than the rest. And now you have a new hook. 
and over and over and over again, eventually your toolbox is so strong where it becomes unconscious. And when I was just showing JK, I'm actually creating a swipe file right now, a viral swipe file for you guys. And I was showing him and I was like, he's like, oh, you, bro, you still use swipe files? I was like, no, but when we started, but it makes money. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know you guys need it now. When we first, when we first started, he even admitted it. We both use swipe files because when you're writing for a long time and you feel writer's block, nothing's better than pulling up a swipe file and you just get a spark and you're back. It's almost like drinking a cup of coffee when you're falling asleep. It's like if you pull up a swipe file when you have writer's block, you just get inspiration. Um, it's like I'll tell you. I'll tell you an example. Yeah, when, go ahead. when I was um like 16 or 15 or 16 i went to nicaragua so it, I, w I was playing volleyball there and nicaraguan accent is different from guatemalan accent when it comes to spanish i can't i can't do it anymore but i was there for one week and when i came back to guate i had the nicaraguan accent and my family was like you want to be dude like what are you doing just just stop like please stop but I couldn't like it was just like a part of me right at, at that point, like two weeks in, like I removed it. That's kind of what swipe files are, uh, because you immerse yourself in good writing. You see how good writing is done. And then when it's your time, you do it. There was a guy that copied uh, the great Gatsby, like word by word, because he wanted to get a feel of how good writing feels. And he wrote another book. I don't name misses me at the moment, but. It's real. Swipe files help. Yeah. And it's like, um, it's, uh, you know, the swipe file is basically just a curated version of social media reading. It's like, instead of scrolling a for you page and reading 90% shit, you kind of get a hundred percent of heavy hitters, viral tweets, etc. Um, one thing that Stephen King said in his book is on writing. Um, in that book, he says the best writers read, you have to read. And I think a swipe file is basically just a curation of reading the best tweets and threads and, emails so i think uh yeah there's something to be said for swipe files as a beginner because you just like you said you're just immersing yourself in what good writing looks like you will absorb at least uh you know some of that into your writing and you'll just it'll be so much better you showed me something last night uh we're not to dinner and i said marcus i need your help my for you feed sucks i need you to fix it for me so marcus pulls out my phone he goes to the for you feed i'm like yeah this is one of the posts that i consider sucks and he just goes here's what you do Triple button at the top right, not interested in this post. And I did it for last night. So that's why I'm like kind of sleep deprived <laughs> and I have the eye bags because I was having a lot of fun, bro. I was like, oh my God. Are you like, really? I, I can actually do this. Yeah, yeah. So I, I slept super late last night. Yeah. Uh, so uh, now my For You feed is way better. So if you're complaining about your feed being bad like I was, there's a button for that. It's not interested in this post button and it only shows you good stuff. And if you engage with content uh, that you want to see more of, you know, like uh, like I'm a big anime guy and I was uh, I was liking the anime post, I see more of those. Mm. So then like the swipe file is there, you know. Another thing I do is I think about what are the best email marketers. Let's say I want to be better at email. This is something you could do too. I create an alternate account. So I have jkmolina7492 at gmail.com. And I will subscribe to the best email marketers I know. And then I get all their emails to that alternate account. And it's like an ever self-building swipe file that I can consult at any time. It's really good for ideas. I've been doing that for years. It's awesome. I have, yeah. I, I like when I first started, I had a, I would use my main email 
and then I would label it. So this is another thing you can do if you don't want to create an alternate. I would label them as inspiration. So anytime an email came from Dan Co, JK, Eddie, it would all be labeled as inspiration and it would automatically go to my inspiration folder. And I had an inspiration folder for that. Now I have the alternate, uh, I have an alternate email. It's like a birdhouse email. And I just subscribed to newsletters. Um, Cody Sanchez, uh, you know, Nick Huber. Is like it mine? Of- Do you have mine? <laughs> I actually just recently subscribed to yours after our conversation over coffee this morning when you were talking about um, how you're like using email for monetization. I subscribed this morning because I actually, one thing I love about your emails is they're so simple and I hate newsletters. I hate newsletters. Newsletters, I'm so bearish on news. I tweeted this and it was controversial and I talked about this in a previous episode, but I hate newsletters. I think they suck. I think nobody reads them and you know it's funny because all the stats prove me wrong <laughs> i'm just i'm so stubborn i'm like nah these suck i hate them it's a personal problem i don't like reading newsletters i'm more of a video consumer but jk does emails very different than i would say the regular person they're more they're not even direct response like they are technically direct response emails but they're so story driven they're like story driven case study driven direct response it's really cool it's like a really good mixture and it kind of embodies the advice that I try to give to people. Like when I always talk about the content pillars, I try to break it down, right? Like personal expertise, social proof, et cetera. You can just look this up. I've talked about it so much. And you, well, one thing I talk about the next level, that's kind of beginner level. Level two, Super Saiyan one level is like, you know how to mix those content pillars because not everything is only going to be personal. Not everything's only going to be social proof, not anything, et cetera. Right. So if I want to talk about a trending topic, like if JK wants to talk about something's trending, like Zins, right? Zins are trending lately. I don't know if you know that. Zins are trending. Oh, I know. Yeah. So Zins are trending, right? What if he wants to talk about Zins and then he wants to turn it into a story because we went on a walk this morning to go get Zins and now it's a story it's trending because he's using the SEO from the, the trending word Zins and he can turn it into a case study and mix in results that he's got for someone and tie it all in. Now he's using three content pillars. So I think the super Saiyan sage mode version of content pillars or writing is knowing how to mix content pillars for maximum effectiveness. And I think that's what you do well. I want to, I want to transition to that, but before I want to ask, what are the content pillars? So the content pillars, and I, I think I've said them so much that I hope people give me credit. I've actually seen people write threads on them without giving me credit, but it's fine. Um, so the it's the pesto pillars. How dare they, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah I don't really Dude, care. Just... It's the pesto pillars. How dare they? So the pesto pillars are personal, expertise, social proof, trending, and opinions. Uh, personal is your story, things about your life, etc. Expertise is What's your expertise? You're a guitar player, write about how to play the guitar. If you make coffee, how do you make coffee? If you make cash, how do you make cash? Expertise. Social proof. Uh, case studies. You made you had you made ten thousand dollars this month, etc. You're basically proving, like my theory on authority is that you're not an authority unless you prove it. Right? How can you be an authority without proving it? See? Thumbs up, likes, likes ain't cash. Um, T is trending. So trending is taking advantage of SEO. And you can do this on social media, you can do this on Google, but anything that's trending in terms of keywords. Um, so right now, I don't know if you know this is trending, but Sydney Sweeney's trending. So that movie's coming out, Madam Web, on Valentine's Day, and she's trending because she was just on Hot Ones. And I know people listening will know what I'm talking about. So there's a meme going around of Sydney Sweeney. Is it the blonde girl? Yeah. So that meme's going around because it's trending, right? So if you if you write a tweet right now with Sydney Sweeney in it, 
you will get more traction than if you didn't because it's yeah. SEO. Exactly. Okay, That's the meme. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, that, so I'm like, when she finds out that you focus on cash over likes. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you know, there is another pillar, um, that I, I, I've thought about now, but I didn't include it, but it, no way. Oh, Oh, we're okay. still good. We're still good. <laughs> well, now we know it's every 20, it's minutes. every 20 minutes. Yeah, right. Okay. Sorry guys. We got nervous. Um, I actually like the podcast like this, like less, I think the pendulum swung and I'll get back to the Sydney Sweeney thing. I swear. Uh, <laughs> the pendulum, I think is as much as it was towards like heavy production. I think this low production kind of favors us because like I said, we're the Google docs. Of That's, podcasts. Right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, so the Sydney Sweeney thing, um, me and we both made a tweet with the Sydney Sweeney meme. My tweet was like, when she, <laughs> when you, when you're telling her about the intricacies of your onboarding process to land the client's voice. <laughs> Such a fucking nerd. <laughs> so I think, I think memes are like the hidden pillar. Um, but I actually think memes are more trending than anything. And they're usually a mixture. <laughs> yeah. Memes are usually a mixture of trending and opinions, etc. So I usually keep them, keep it as uh, like an honorable mention pillar. But anyway, P-E-S-T is trending and O is opinion. So trending is taking advantage of SEO. O is giving your raw opinions. And this one's so important for personal brands. Like JK does really well at this, right? Like his brand is literally an opinion. <laughs> like St. Cash, like it's a fact, but it's also like, it's a controversial fact where it's like some people think you should give away everything for free and just build your brand likes, 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 and kind of build a big following. His whole mantra is an opinion that likes and cash monetize from day one. Right. So that's so important for building a personal brand. So those are the five pillars, pesto pillars. If you like pasta, you get it. I, I find a lot of, uh, learnings are in when somebody shows you the magic trick and then somebody explains to you how the magic trick is done. Marcos right here just performed a magic trick. And I'm going to tell you what the magic trick and how it was done. Marcos said, these, I'm like, Marcos, what are the content pillars? And then he performed the magic trick, which was content pillars? It's called the pesto pillars, JK, by the way. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, cool, right? But the thing is, you know, the best branding move of all time. Let me show you the best branding move of all time. It's one key. Is the cap locks key. This is the best branding move of all time. Why? Because if I just call it the funnel, so whatever, but if it's the likes and cash funnel with capital F, then it's like, oh, what is it? If I just say content pillars, like, okay, if it's the pesto pillars with capital P-E-S-T-O, then it's interesting. It's mm. IP, right? The best branding move of all time is the caps lock key. It's the uppercase, uppercase, right? Oh, yeah. Capital letter. Yeah, uppercase. uppercase. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the uppercase key. So I do this a lot. I don't just say the funnel, I say the likes and cash funnel. I say the likes and cash campaign. I say the cash creators, like with, I use content creators with lowercase c, cash creators with capital C, because it creates IP. It creates some sort of um, uh, mystique around what you do. Yeah, there's some good, a couple of good books on this for my bookworms out there. Not that I'm one, but um, I actually have a, a second note on books. But a couple of good books on this. Try, I think it's Tribalism or Tribes by Seth Godin and then Expert Secrets by Russell Brunson. They talk a lot about this. I mean, kind of creating those frameworks. You're kind of building a tribe. People are really just looking for their people. Sam Bovin says this a lot at school. Um, 
But yeah, if everyone's looking for their people, you got to put labels on tribes and create those tribes for people to flock to. Because otherwise, you know, what if you're using the lowercase, it's not really you're not really taking advantage of the tribalism brain that we have. We're all we're all low key just monkeys. I, I like I like that you said uh people to fly to. This is why I think one of the worst moves of all time, if you have an audience, is asking the audience what they want to see. What do you guys want to see more of? Yeah. Let me know in the comments. Would you like to you like this or that? They're the followers. You are the leader. You're the one that tells them what are they getting. So I, I'm not a fan of telling people or asking, what do you guys want? I'm a fan of like, they actually tell you what they want. They just, it's just not explicit. It's implicit because when you post, if the post gets a lot of engagement, gets a lot of leads, that's what they want. Do more of it. Don't ask them. It makes you look bad. I actually think funny enough, the best ever, I would say one of the best, if not the best in terms of internet marketing uh caps lock moment is ty lopez he was the creator of essentially smma how many people now talk about smma people you know what they say they say the best inventions are the ones that no one knows created the wheel the table who the fuck invented the table who invented the wheel i know some caveman ty lopez honestly did that uh in terms of smma how many people talk about smma and don't even know he's the one who started that like smma Everyone talks SMMA, SMMA, social media marketing agency. It's like a thing. He actually apparently copyrighted the term SMMA lately. Um, but I thought that was a good, if you can create an acronym or a cap, I'm going to call it caps lock moment. If you can create a caps lock moment so good that it outlives you, that's how you know it was good. <laughs> just caps locked the caps lock. How many people say likes ain't cash now that don't even know JK started it? <laughs> how many people say... I'm going to make you likes and cash. <laughs> it's like such a, it became a, it became almost a, a moment where like saying cash kind of grew almost past you in a way where a lot of people are likes likes and cash. And it's because you started likes and cash. And I swear there's some people that say it that don't even know you made it. Yeah. Some people do. I've seen it sometimes. Like sometimes I look up likes and cash, just like no from me or whatever. And some people like unrelated will say it, but did you know that was stolen? No. Yeah, it's stolen. From yeah. who? Jack Butcher. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out Jack. Shout out Jack. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you what happened. So great, uh, good artist copy, great artist steal. That's my quote. I said that. So what happened is Jack Butcher posted, "Engagement ain't cash." And have you ever seen the show, The Social Network, when Justin Timberlake's comes up to I love that the guy movie. and he goes, "Drop the." Instead of the Facebook, it's just Facebook. He you knows he doesn't say drop the. He says drop the the. Oh, just Facebook. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like Jack, drop engagement. <laughs> it's likes. Yeah, likes ain't cash, and that's that's how it started. And then I bought the domain. I bought likesaintcash.com. I bought subsaintcash.com. Uh, retweets ain't cash. Uh, views ain't cash. <laughs> I went in. <laughs> it was fun. I love the I for my this is my I haven't even told you this. My branding brain loves the heart not equal sign money bag emoji. That's my favorite logo. I think that logo should be everywhere. I think your YouTube banner needs to get rid of your face and just put heart not equals money bag sign. I think that's where it should I think that should be everywhere Are you on, sure i don't like oh, the heart it's so good it's so good because the heart is on all social medias it's on all social medias you can do the thumbs up version too but i like the heart i love that because it really reminds me of you in terms of you're so simple google doc 
iPhone. Is that your whole business? A MacBook and a fucking iPhone and a Google Doc. That's like your whole business. Bro, remember what you told me in the elevator? That's all you got? Yeah, he shows up. So he shows up yesterday. He texts me. He goes, by the way, the fun, <laughs> this is like, guys, Julia kept asking me, like, what's the plan? Are we getting dinner? When's he getting here? I'm like, I don't even know. I haven't talked to him in the past week. And I, he's just like, he's like on a flight on the way to come sleep in my place. <laughs> and, uh, all I do is text him, have a safe flight. He's like, thanks. And then he gets here. He's like, on my way. And then he's like, here. That was the extent of the planning. <laughs> but he shows up. I go downstairs and he's he has he's like, I'm moving. Like you're moving. He's literally holding. You don't have it here. A bag the like this big. Like I swear to God, it's only this big, and like a backpack, and then like a cell phone. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I'm moving to Europe. <laughs> what? <laughs> he's moving with. He's literally a digital nomad. But he hates the word digital nomad. Dude, don't call me that. Like, <laughs> I need some respect here, bro. But uh, yeah, I just like I just live. I not many things. When I moved to Bali, we both, me and Julia, both had backpack and two big suitcases, <laughs> and then we moved to Bali only for five months. What were you carrying on those suitcases? What? Why do well, you need? So here's the things? thing: is we took our whole lives, like we took our whole life to Bali. We didn't leave anything behind everything we own. So we didn't have a time to like, I downsized a lot when I was, cause I lived in New York city. I sold probably 25, 30% of my whole wardrobe. I sold all my physical possessions and I gave away all my furniture and I still had two suitcases. <laughs> so that was a lot for me. I, I gave away all my furniture to the new tenant. The only thing I sold was like a couple of my like expensive pieces of, of like tech equipment. Other than that, I, I gave away everything. Speaking of giving away everything, Marcos, Give away everything for free. Good advice, bad advice. You know, I, I, I'm always this guy, and a part of me hates this about myself because I really believe you should be more extreme in terms of to be a good marketer. But I'm always so lukewarm in the middle on things. I think giving away everything for free is wrong, but I also think giving away nothing for free is wrong. So I think it's got to be in the middle. So, like, if you were to give, um, let's let's do this tangibly. You run a, let's, for simplicity's sake, so I'll call it a ghostwriting agency. Now, let's say you were to give away some of the process and how you do things. Where do you draw the line? Where is it, where is it too much? <laughs> you usually can tell when it's too much when I'm on the podcast and I say, this is too much sauce. Because <laughs> I do that like every episode. Um, I would say I draw the line at practical. I always give away I always give away the overall theories. I usually give away the idea behind things and I usually give away the what, but I never give away the how. Because I think the how is the the part where most people are going to struggle anyway, and that's like the physical taking action, the actual step by step, opening your laptop, going to this website, writing this, putting it here, quality control here putting it, publishing at this time. I never give away that stuff because that's, that I consider that the IP, the implementation is the IP. And it's funny because you taught me this, but you don't even like it anymore. It was, uh, what is the give away the what and then sell the implementation? It was, uh, no, that was the, that was from Alex. But was, my, my stuff was, uh, if you give the sauce away for free, people will pay you to cook it for them. That's essentially what I do. And you know, a giveaway I'm going to run next week, stay tuned, is my viral swipe file that I just updated finally. 
I'm giving you a, a huge swipe file, but you don't know why I put. Why? Like, you don't why, know why. Why are you giving swipe files? I don't get it. Because the swipe file is good. It helps people. It shows my ideal prospects that I have the wherewithal to spot good content. It shows them that I'm tapped in and it shows them that I have the expertise to know what's good and where to find stuff and et cetera. And it's per- like saying cash. <laughs> Every time it comes up, we should say like saying cash. No, there you go. Like saying cash. Uh, if you're in the YouTube, you get it. Yeah, I've actually generated a lot of leads from the swipe pod because you know what it really does? And this is actually the dark. This is dark magic. You want to know the dark magic secret of why I give away? What I, I want to know the dark magic secret. I give away swipe files because it's so big that the people below me will appreciate it and be able to learn from it. And I don't want them anyway. And the people above me, it's too much for them. And they're like, I don't have fucking time for this. Just do it for me. I don't have time for this, but it looks like you know what you're talking about. I'm interested, blah, blah, blah. So the people that I'm actually targeting don't have fucking time to go through the swipe file. And the people who I'm not targeting will appreciate it and I'll build good uh, brand equity. So that's the dark magic behind it is that if you're targeting like a $100 million CEO clicks on my swipe file, they'll be interested for 0.5 seconds. And I'll be like, well, this is way too big, bro. I don't want this anymore. (laughs) That's the dark magic. I'll um, I'll respectfully disagree with you (laughs) at the Lexing Cash podcast today. I don't think you should give it away for free. I don't like, I think you should send it but i don't think you should uh you should do it for free here's why let me give you a statistic and this kind of goes back to email 95 percent of my income comes from email so that's less than like five percent of my audience or something 80 percent of my income from comes from 0.13 percent of my audience Mm. it's a small 300 person subsegment of people who have already given me money. So it's important to make the distinction here. There's leads, there's customers, and there's clients. Leads are people who haven't given you money. Customers are somebody who has transacted with you once or twice, or like, it's not recurring. Clients are recurring. You devote energy and resources and attention to them. 80% of my income from comes from 0.13% of my audience, the 300 person list. Because what when people pay for something, it allows you to find intent. So if I were you, what I would do is I would send it out for a hundred bucks, 50 bucks. And then the conversations you're going to have are very fruitful because you can ask people, why do you want this? Mm. Why did you buy it? This is why if you uh, first join my list, and this is me not following my own advice of not giving value and giving insight only, but actually I'll give insight only. So if you join my list, the main, the first thing you get is not a, it's not an upsell. Well, it is an upsell, but it's also, why are you here? Like, how does the likes and cash brand philosophy, cash creator thing fit into your life? Because purchasing and going into the next stage of the funnel allows you to find intent. And if you do that with the people who buy your swipe file, not just copy your swipe file, because you know other ghostwriters are going to use it. And I think that's probably going to diminish the effectiveness of your stuff. If you sell it, I think it's going to be able to identify signal way better than if you gave it away for free. And you don't even fucking email. So why are you going to do it? <laughs> you want to hear my nuanced, my nuanced approach Hit based it. on what you just said? Do it. Um, instead of making people pay for the physical swipe file, it's giving away the physical swipe file and selling them the instructional on A, how to use the swipe file, B, why 
each individual swipe is in the file, why each tweet is in the file. What is, because remember when I showed you, right, Jake, one of, there's a couple, I think there's at least two JK tweets in that file out of the hundreds. Um, why did I put those in there? If you just take the swipe file, you're going to be like, it's a nice tweet about his grandma. Cool. <laughs> but why? You know, why did you tweet that in the first place? Why is this effective? Why would I tweet about a grandma? I'm selling creator cash monetization. Why? You don't know without buying the workshop or the instructional, etc. But if you get the swipe file, you get a preview. You're like, well, this is good. Now I want more. So would you convert more if you give them the taste of the swipe file without any context, instructional, tutorial, step-by-step, how to use best to use this, etc.? Would you get more leads that way? Or will you get leads? So like, let's just say 10 people buy the $100 workshop or uh, sorry, 10 people buy the swipe file. But if I do the auto DM and it's free for the swipe file or a hundred bucks to get the instructional, blah, blah, blah. What if a thousand people get the free swipe file and 20 people buy because they got the swipe file and that's only a 2% conversion. Counterpoint to that one. <laughs> <laughs> the counterpoint is this. People's pain doesn't grow bigger. It shrinks. It doesn't... <clears throat> People's pain doesn't grow, it shrinks as they move through your funnel. So when they see your swipe file, what do most people do? They get it on their email. Good, I have it. I'm never going to see it again. Because <laughs> that's what I do, like, at least for me, right? Uh, and uh, it's, it's fine, right? Because people's lives goes on mm-hmm. and people are busy. Uh, so some people are going to come back. But to me, that's the exception rather than the rule. And I would rather depend on, let me sell everything, the swipe file, how to use it, the instructional, why it matters at once because people's pain doesn't uh, grow, it shrinks. And this is why another reason, another, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you come back, but <clears throat> this is why I think that leader nurturing is a myth because people's pain is highest the moment they move on to the next stage of the funnel and then it shrinks. It's like a guy that comes bleeding at the hospital. This is why I think lead nurturing is not true. The guy comes in bleeding at the hospital. Does he want a free trial and a blood test and then get something that cures the blood loss? Or does he just want something that will stop the blood loss? Mm. Probably that. So this is why I'm big on hit them strong, hit them early, hit them hard. So this would be a really interesting split test. I would love for someone to run it, but basically two, two tweets slash emails. Number one is you sell the workshop. Number two is you sell the slides slash the swipe file, whatever you do for the email workshop. Or so you give that away for free. And in that you have a call to action. I'm going to give you this for free. If you want the step-by-step tutorial on how to actually implement it into your business and actually make an extra whatever money and do this and how I did this, blah, 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 call to action. You can click here and you can get it for 97 or hundred dollars. I would love to split test that and see one of them is an auto DM and one of them is just a tweet. That would be an interesting split test. I would love, by the way, if you're watching this and you made it in the middle and you're one of those percent that actually listens to podcasts all the way through, let us know in the comments slash replies if you're watching this on X, what you think would work better. Because that's an interesting one. 
Are we posting this on X, the full length? I'm going to post. I mean, this is the first time I actually have access to the full file. So I'm definitely posting yeah, it on you, X. Yeah, actually. To be, yeah, to <laughs> I'm be way fair. too. I, not that I'm lazy. I just forget to ask you for the files. And I just like, yeah, it's posted. I'll just retweet your tweet. It's on the link I sent you. No, I don't send you. You don't send me. Because yeah. I had a, used to have an editor and I gave up on shorts. Like, I still do them, but I just like don't really care about them. You shorts. have a page. Uh, Marcos Reese shorts. I have three pages. I have Marcos Reese clips, Marcos Reese shorts, and I think it's something else. Why do you have three pages? It's a long story for another podcast. Well, that's a sneak peek for a future podcast. I'll give you the whole story on it. If it, depending on what the results are, I'm going to, I'll give the story whether it works or not, but that's, or if we run out of topics and it, we get uncomfortable silence, <laughs> you can use that. as the <laughs> We're 39 minutes in. We're already a little uncomfy. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I, I was going to see something interesting, but I, I don't know what, anyway, I have, one. don't give it away for free. I don't, I don't think you should. I think it, I think that if you just give, the swipe file you're gonna attract a lot of sellers mm. just not many buyers let's find out find out next time on the next episode of dragon ball Z. i remember what i was gonna say i remember i remember so i i ran a workshop uh slash webinar by the way this i don't like and i don't think people should be calling their stuff webinar coaching uh mentorship what are three alternatives i'll say workshop instead of coaching or mentorship, I would just call it the name of your thing. Like for me, it's, I just say cash creators. What is cash creators? Walk around and find out. So for me, I think that the alternative is caps locking it. It's using the name mm. because then people don't put you in a box. It's like, for the love of God, you don't want to be called a life coach. Yeah. Like, I think that's just your name. I think that's smart. I mean, Sam's ovens was quantum mastermind quantum mastermind capital that was smart um that like well, such a cool name it was back then back then probably mastermind was cool yeah but quantum was really cool yeah. <laughs> quantum sounds expensive I'll, yeah, I'll <laughs> you could probably add 10k to your price if you right if you name your thing quantum yeah. <laughs> fair enough but i ran a against my own advice a webinar back in the day yeah sorry sorry guys yeah <laughs> yeah i'm a building public i'm the growth creator documenting my journey boss. Ah, yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> we're making this is fun <laughs> i'm having fun okay so uh i ran a a, uh, a webinar on instagram growth right uh on just just growth in social media 30 people showed up free and i'm thinking this sucks you know you pump yourself up for a webinar again your tony robbins shit and then nobody shows up and you're like, damn, am I, am I, am I a loser? <laughs> but I ran another one, which was about same thing, but I charged a hundred bucks for it. And the name was, instead of growth, it was, hear me out, likes and cash. There you go. So I called it that, charged a hundred bucks for it. 54 people showed up. More people showed up after I charged for stuff. It's because people like it when uh, people, people value stuff when you charge for it. This is like, I think that giving away just free stuff is a flawed goal because it assumes that people act out of gratitude, which very few people do. But if you charge for it and you make it like you're going to get something out of this, it assumes that people act out of self-interest, which everybody does. All right. I have two. I have two topics and I want to talk about both. I want you to pick which one we're going to go. Pick your, choose your path. Let's go. <laughs> Imagine we could do, have you seen the Netflix special where people can click their way through the movie? The Black Mirror uh, movie? No. There's a Black Mirror movie where you use your remote and you can pick the path for the whole movie. So every time there's an event, 
you pick basically what you want to do. Do I want to hit her with a sword or do I want to shoot him in the head? Like, like it, you, you, the person? You, as you're watching, it's an interactive movie. It's oh, called, cool. I think it's called Cumberbatch. So it's like a mini video game? It's basically like that. It's super cool. You'll like it. You should watch it on Netflix. Cool. Um, so there's two things I want to talk about and you can choose. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give them both cap locks. Alex Becker hates books. JK conforms to school. <laughs> pick your poison. <laughs> JK conforms to school. All right. So JK is and you can go back the receipts are there it's fine i'm not gonna rub it in any more episodes after the last five <laughs> jk uses school now and he likes it and i want to know why you like it and you know what are you finding that are really good features etc bro wh- why don't you just go get your affiliate link where you're at it? <laughs> like in description just fu- <laughs> fucking put it over there jesus <laughs> <Okay>. fuck <laughs> now nah, i'll i'll tell you why i like it <clears throat> i can turn my dms off <laughs> that's smart awesome <laughs> it's awesome um i just like i just like to turn my dms off uh like if people want more dm access they can upgrade to a separate thing in slack but i like that it pleases my minimalist soul hmm. it's right there you have calls are right here and when you have a call it lets you know community is right here and you can say is this an ask? Is this a share? Is this an update? Mm. It's very streamlined. Uh, all the recordings are in the same place mm. in the classroom. Uh, it's just nice. I can turn my, like, it just, you know how when you use an Apple product, you're like, it just works. Yeah. School, it just works. Yeah. I, you know what I realized too? Cause you know, when you're in, when we were on Slack for your old program, uh, it was like, everyone always needed to call recordings and they had to go to like some random module section on yeah, i had to upload to youtube on list yeah there, like, such a pain in the ass yeah. and then or for the calendar you had to subscribe to this google calendar and then it populates i'm like it's like the little things you wouldn't realize but when they're all put into one place it's really nice um and then it's, it's like if you wear wired headphones and then you're like you use it all your life you're like uh, whatever but then you use bluetooth yeah like, oh that's easy this is the thing you know what i realized too is i used to think the downside of school was the lack of channels but i actually think it's an upside because now like when you're on a discord or a school it's just people having conversations about random shit and honestly what they're really doing is they're just procrastinating doing the real work like when we were on school and we were like joking like good morning good morning good morning but we're all just procrastinating you should be working shut up like you know what i mean that school actually takes that away which i at first i was like oh it's bad for community but i actually think it creates a better community of high performers it creates a higher performing community whereas discord really promotes like degenerates (laughs) like you could just be on discord all day bro discord is so ugly (laughs) yeah sorry it's ugly and it's disorganized i don't like it it's for kids Ultimately, it's for kids. I think yeah. Discord's for kids, and I think school's for adults who actually have shit to do, and they only need to post when it's like a post that needs a title and a category, etc. We should just admit it, bro. It's just a place for introverts. It's the introverts' it, paradise. It's the introverts' paradise. It lets you parade your introvert uh, personality type on your profile. Exactly. That's how you know it's made by introverts. Exactly. It's a cope. It's a, it's it's how we cope. But where's dark mode though? <laughs> we don't have dark mode. Where the fuck's dark mode? There's no dark mode in school. Sam, what the hell? Sam, wake up. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so that's that. Uh, Alex Becker made a tweet last week. Maybe the week before. No, it was last week. He tweeted, uh, what's the case for books? Like, most books have one or two points that are really good, but you could always get that information in just a video 
or a summary video or any video. So what's the case for books over video in terms of learning? And I thought about it and I was like, that's a good point. I've learned almost everything I know from video and podcasts because it's just condensed. Like I actually made this statement to Julia. I was like, why would I read the biography of someone who's alive when they probably told their life story in the short version on a podcast? Why would you? You're going to go read 400 pages where they probably just needed to get the word count up to sell it. Or you can go listen to their one and a half hour interview on Joe Rogan, tell their life story. They tell their life story in the first 45 minutes and they tell follow-up questions and they actually dive in deeper on that because Joe Rogan's asking follow-ups. I'll, I'll tell you what. <clears throat> so, uh, you know, for the sake of the keep, keeping this fun, like, cause I do agree that most books are like one sentence that's dragged on for 200 pages <laughs> like seriously really did you really need to read a whole chapter <laughs> yeah did you really need to read uh what is it uh start with why to understand you need a strong why like yeah bro come on but i'll tell i'll tell you a few. it's because have you ever heard a platitude and it's like the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step you're like yeah whatever bro but then 10 years later something hits you right at that point and you're like it's so true the journey of a thousand miles does begin with a single step so true best people <laughs> it happens to me sometimes with books but not books specifically i'll niche down more on that and it's called autobiographies i think autobiographies are the best like i don't read any advice books to be fair i do read a ton of autobiographies mm. because the stories and the people telling you what they went through I understand it. And you like Shoe Dog, right? I love biographies and autobiographies. I'll, I'll tell you one. Mike Tyson, right? Mike Tyson, also known as the baddest motherfucker ever. Like, he could just knock everybody out. Top heavyweight champion. What, like 19 or something? Here's a story for you. So, Mike Tyson's coach, he was like 60 by the time Mike Tyson was born or something like that. He was, he was an old dude, but he was incredible. He used to be really harsh. Did I tell this story in the podcast yet? No? Probably. I, did, I don't think so. But Mark is saying no just to keep the thing yeah. going. No, <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> it's the seventh time. Dude, my, I did it, um, my girlfriend tells me this all the time. He's like, yeah, you told me this story already. But like, she still listens like it's the first time. So that's how you Oh, you tell your story again. Yeah, yes, uh, And like, we're, we're in public. I tell the same fucking story third time. She still laughs like it's the first time. That's how you know. Keep her. Anyway, back to the point. Mike Tyson, he, uh, his, his coach was old, but he, was to, he used to be really harsh on him, but also pump him up to be like, bro, like, you're a piece of trash. But he'd also be like, before he got into fights, he'd be like, you're the descendant of Alexander the Great and Genghis Khan. And you're going to kill that guy. You're going to take his heart out and win, right? But in training, he used to be like really harsh with him. So Mike Tyson actually had really uh, low self-esteem. One time, they were driving, and some dude was driving, the coach that was old was in the passenger seat and Mike Tyson got behind uh, the guy on the passenger seat, his coach. But because he had really bad hearing, he would ask, sorry guys, you got the screensaver thing. All right. Because he had some really bad hearing, he would say, okay, I'm going to hide behind the coach and I'm going to ask you questions so you can ask him the questions. And the guy's like, sure. So Mike would be like, Ask him, what, he, what does he think of me? Ask him, does, does he think I have potential? Ask him, um, what, what do you think I should do? Am I really a loser? 
And he would ask those questions back. And the coach is like, nah, I'm just really hard on the kid. But he's tough. He's going to make it. And like Mike Tyson, the baddest motherfucker, he was behind the guy crying because he couldn't hear him because he was old, right? But he was crying because he had that insecurity and he needed that validation from the guy. Now, I read that and that was really impactful for me. And I think about that a lot. And I think that just like some platitudes bleed into your soul after you digest them, reading allows some stuff to bleed into you more. So if if it works for you because you can retain a lot of stuff from podcasts, great. And honestly, bro, I listen to podcasts while I'm, you know, I'm walking or doing some other stuff on my phone. So I just don't retain them a lot. Mm. So my case for books is autobiographies are great. Not a fan of the others, but autobiographies, big, big, big W. I'll, I'll one up it and I'll say I would like autobiographies slash biographies of people who are dead. I think it's better because just because I think the alive people, one, they're not done their story yet, but two, they, they do go on podcasts. I really like the. I, I love dead people. <laughs> I will say that there's actually a caveat. David Goggins uh, biography is really good. Yes. On audio because he does a podcast in the audiobook. Genius. Love that one. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's a really good one. And I just like audiobooks that are read by the author. I can't listen to audiobooks that aren't. If it's, if it's an audiobook and it's read by some real weird narrator, I'm checked out for the most part. I thought David Goggins didn't read his own autobiography. So he doesn't read his own. The ghostwriter who wrote for him reads it, I think. And then in between chapters, it's a podcast with David Goggins. I think it's like some weird thing. It's really, it's a really good listen though. And that one, he doesn't really talk about his story too much on podcasts either. So maybe there's some, uh, there's definitely some nuance involved, but yeah, I guess uh, Becker says that, and uh, I, I tend to agree. I tend to agree in, in most cases. I think there's obviously nuance, like some books you just can't get in video form, but I think there are like a lot of books where if you just probably look up the summary, you'll probably get the key points and be fine. Like uh, most books, <laughs> like especially self help and business. I think there's a lot of self help and business summaries on YouTube, um, like the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Like you could just look that up, man. Come on. Probably yeah. stop stop mentally masturbating. Come on. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, bro, when I when I read this, I'm gonna I have a confession to make. When oh boy. I read this, um, uh, like heavy advice books. I think you said you said it right. It's like I feel people are talking at me. My heart rate rises when I read them. <laughs> I get really anxious. I don't enjoy it. Like I'm gonna do some light, you know, nighttime reading of the power of now, right? I get super anxious. I do not enjoy it. But when I read autobiographies, I do because I get into, um, you know, I, I I get into it. I was reading the Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger one, uh, Total Recall. He said he wanted to learn how to act. Have I told this story? Be honest. Have I told this story? Mm, I don't think so. No. Okay, great, great. Have, did I tell the Mike Tyson story before? I don't think so. <laughs> okay, no, there we go. Two for two. Yeah. No, we're doing well. Anyway, uh, Total Recall one. He uh, he was a bodybuilder and then transitioned to acting. And he wanted to get good at acting. And there was a scene in which he needed to show he was happy. And the director or the acting coach told him, well, in order to act well, you need to feel the thing. You need to be in the moment. So in, what was one time you were really happy? Like, for example, when you won Mr. Olympia, you were happy, right? And Arnold says, well, not really. I was just like, relieved because that's just what i did 
When I went to the competitions, I didn't go to compete. I went there to pick my medal up. Nice. Like, holy shit, this guy's different. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right? So those kind of little things that I could tell you, believe in yourself, right? Manifest your medal. But when you read that from somebody who has done it, it just hits you different. And I think you just retain it better. I agree. All right. I have an idea. I think we should have a part two episode. I'm going to use the bathroom. I'm going to get a cup of water. I think we can reset, check out this footage, and then have a second episode. And now we could have two weeks in a row in, a, a, in person. Two weeks in a row. Well, I feel, I feel good, bro. I this was a good hour. I, I can keep going. Unless we can pause because I need to use the bathroom. Yeah, you, you can go to the bathroom. I'll, I'll, I'll rent. I, I rent anyway to, to myself. I'll just <laughs> rent right. while, while Please you enjoy can. the JK show. Yeah, all right. What's up? <laughs> What's up, friends? Let's uh this, this this is the JK show now. So I'll I'll talk about a few things here. Uh so something that um I've told Marcos and somebody told me before is I really struggle with writing it like daily. Like how do you put out so much content? Because I write a daily email and I enjoy it. It's like a really good, you know, enjoyable 15, 20 minutes in my morning. So I wanna say that. I think that great content is not created. Great content is collected. You don't really need to think about great content. You need to remember great content. So let me tell you something I do. I got it from the book Story Worthy. If you're struggling with writing daily emails or you're struggling with writing daily and like remembering stories or you hear some people tell stories and you think, man, that guy's good. Like that guy crushed it. And like, I don't have any good stories. I feel so lame. Same. Here's what I did. Number one. Go to Telegram and create a chat with yourself. Call it stories, right? Now, every day, uh, go to then your reminders app and set up a reminder every day at like 6 p.m. Set up a reminder, story. So then it'll hit you at 6 p.m. And then you go to your, um, you know, you go to your Telegram and you write one or two sentences of what happened today. So, for example... I'll tell you one, right? I'll tell you a story. So my, uh, my family uh, sometimes brings Korean missionaries to, to Guate so they can like, you know, like help the poor kids out. Now, some people need to live at different times, uh, but uh, one was staying and I didn't know. So I go to my apartment and I enter the apartment and it's supposed to be, you know, nobody's supposed to be there, but I enter the apartment and lights on and I see some shoes. And the first thing I see is I just see a Korean dude sitting like this on the living room, legs open with this underwear, just looking at the TV like this. And I'm like, holy shit, is this, is this where my story ends? Like, am I, am I going to die now? Anyway, that turns out to be one of them, but I didn't, I didn't really know. So, uh, I'm like, hello he's like hey what's up so anyway i was there because i was gonna pick up some stuff in order to travel and the guy was leaving as well and he's like hey i'm leaving i'm like okay are you ordering an uber he's like yeah and i'm like foreigner third world country uber not a good idea let me let me drop you off at the airport he's like excellent thank you so much so we go to him uh, i'm dropping him off at the airport and like you know how some people do cold plunges and saunas or they're vegan and they just need to tell you they do those kind of things. This guy was kind of similar. He goes, my son's in Harvard. Cool. 
oh, good to know, right? So now he goes up to his phone and he's like, let me show you. Goes to his phone. He wants to show me the Harvard diplomas. But the thing is, he doesn't even need to scroll because he goes to his phone, uh, the Photos app. He has an album with all the Harvard diploma screenshots. He shows it to me. He's like, see, my son's in Harvard, right? Shows it to me. I'm like, well, never doubted it, but really cool. He's like, yeah. Actually, let me call him. He calls his son. And I'm like just driving there to the airport. I'm like, okay, what the hell am I into right now? He calls the son. He starts speaking in Korean and whatnot. He's like, son, tell him about Harvard. And I'm just there like, so I heard you go to Harvard, bro. <laughs> He's like, yeah, well, do you like it? Not really. And that was the entirety of the conversation. I'm like, okay, this is great. Anyway, I drop him off at the airport. He's like, this was great. Thank you very much. Turns out he has another uh, kid, but that one doesn't go to Harvard, so he doesn't mention it. And that story came up after Marcos asked me, would you live in Korea? Which my answer was no, because in Korea, it's a lot about who you are. No, it's about a lot, a lot about what you have, not who you are. So not a fan. Anyway, this is one of the stories I picked up from me, like just having my stories, Telegram chat, and I just write about things I do. Our podcast is probably going to be a story that I wrote about. Uh, which will probably get not turn into an email, which will probably turn into money, right? So I'm a big fan of setting up that reminder every day, one or two sentences of what happened, and you're going to become a better storyteller, which actually makes you a better money maker. Because if you can tell stories, it's like you are Leonardo DiCaprio in Inception. Ever watched that movie? Leonardo DiCaprio has an idea that he wants to put into some CEO's brain. So he goes deep into this guy's dreams and puts that idea. That's stories for you. When you have a story, you can really pin an idea and you can really program people from deep within. And if you want to get good at that, which if you're in the money-making business, you probably want to, it's a good idea to just remember the one or two sentences you do every day. And eventually that log of stories keeps building up, <clears throat> makes you an incredible marketer that nobody can copy because those stories are your own. You want to hear, uh, there's, there's some good examples of inception that people use in marketing. This is like dark, this is like the dark arts of marketing that I don't really see a lot of people talking about. So like, for example, my tweet today, like that, and this is not as extreme of an example, but for example, I made this, the tweet with the Sydney Sweeney meme. And it's like, when she, when you tell her about your onboarding process that lets you nail the client voice, you know, that might just seem like, oh, it's a meme. And it's like. He's just talking about his onboarding process and he just, he's just proud of it. No, what it really is doing is incepting the idea into the 0.2% of my audience that cares that might be a good prospect is them incepting the idea that I have a different in-depth onboarding process than other people and I can actually nail people's voice. And the point of that is to prove to people that ghostwriting can actually nail your voice. I can actually nail your voice unlike everybody else in this industry. I can actually do that because I have the capital, uh, the caps lock onboarding process for the birdhouse, the birdhouse onboarding, the onboarding, by the way, that's actually what I call it. Um, caps lock it. Yeah, it's caps locked. I have the onboarding because I have that proprietary IP. I can actually nail your voice. So that was the point of that meme is to incept that into 0.001% of my audience's mind. But um, something, for example, that I've noticed is like Alex Hormozy. <laughs> so he talks about, 
two, two, bing. <laughs> well, listen, if this, if it were the second podcast, you would have lasted three minutes. Yeah. It's an improvement. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like for example, right. Or even Ty Lopez, right. The way, or actually here's another one. It's like Gary V. But they all, the way they talk about it and they talk, they kind of do a very nonchalant. Alex Ramos will be like, oh, if you're a small business owner, like brick and mortar, blah, blah, blah. But a lot of who he targets is internet businesses. So it's like, he's almost incepting the fact that he's bigger than just the internet by talking about small businesses in his, in his content. So he's talking about small business to kind of build authority that I work with all types of businesses. And he's bringing in internet marketer because the internet marketers, this guy's different. This guy's an authority because he's working with small businesses. So it's a way you have to incept your authority. You have to incept your product. There's so many ways that people do this in marketing. It's a very complicated thing, but I think the best marketers know how to incept these ideas into their audience. And it lets them build not only a cult following, but it also lets them convert those uh, audience members into buyers. I'll add one thing to that. I think it's, they know how to do it, but also they do it automatically mm -hmm. so when you type right <laughs> unless you type like this you know that pinky goes to the q and the this one goes to the to the to the w you you know kind of like where things go it's like in between so when marcos is speaking right now it's like the best marketers know how to accept this and they caps lock it and they use these terms and they assume they're better than the internet it's like you when you are writing you know that this goes to the Q, this goes to the W, and like you, that's kind of how you write. It's things that are already like habits, things in you. So when he is speaking, sometimes, like when he was saying that, I felt really inadequate. I'm like, I don't really think about this kind of shit. I just kind of like try to market, you know? It's because uh, the marketers know how to do it, but it's also a habit that they instill. And I think that that's kind of how the, um, yeah. that's how it, it, like mastery is the things that you do without thinking. The perfect example of this is I was talking to Ty Lopez and I asked him, I was like, do you purposely do these effective theatrics? And I've spoken about this maybe like 10, 20 episodes ago. I call it effective. I caps locked it. And I think caps locking makes, makes me help. It helps me learn, uh, not learn. It helps me remember things. So I call it effective theatrics, capital E, capital T. So when I think effective theatrics, I think of Ty Lopez here in my garage with my Lamborghini with all these books that I just bought to fill out this bookshelf. <laughs> it's like his iconic ad. So unnecessary yeah. to have a bookshelf on your garage. And then, and then I think of Sam Ovens, right? He puts on a blue suit and he's at the high rise and he's nothing like that. If you actually now watch him, he's nothing like that. But it's, it's effective theatrics. It's marketing. And I asked him and I said, Ty, do you do this on purpose? Do you, and Andrew Tate, he does the same thing, the effective theatrics. Do you do these effective theatrics on purpose? Cause you know, it's going to convert. And he said, well, Marcos, I've always just been a marketer. I've always been a marketer. And I think what he meant by that is he just does it unconsciously. It wasn't super deliberate where it was like, I'm doing this on purpose. It's a grand master plan, blah, blah, blah. He's just like, I've always been a marketer. And I think that's what you're saying, where you, when you're so good at marketing, it becomes unconscious. Like you think, like for you, we said this earlier, we were like, we think in tweets. <laughs> like I, we were talking and it was, uh, I was like, you're basically just like a Google Docs guy, like not a landing page guy. And he said, Ooh, I got to tweet that Google, Google Docs, BF landing page GF. And then I took a picture of him. So like we think in tweets and I think, you know what my girlfriend does? What? Landing pages. <laughs> <laughs> does she? Yeah. yeah like websites. So like, that's what, if you really want to hit that next level. So this is, we talked about maybe at the 20 minute mark, if you're a skipper, a header, if you 
got to that and you heard Super Saiyan 1, this is Super Saiyan 2. Super Saiyan 1 is when you can mix content pillars together and kind of create these marketing angles using multiple pillars from content pillars. Super Saiyan 2, and this is where your hair gets real long and you really get a power up. And we're speaking in Dragon Ball Z terms because we like anime. Super Saiyan 2 of marketing is when you can now think in tweets. You think when you when you walk down or when you walk around the gym in between sets, you're like, oh, that was a good story. I'm gonna write it in my telegram. Or like when I say something to you over our morning coffee, you're like, that's a good tweet, that's a good tweet. It's because we're thinking in hooks, we're thinking in tweets, we're thinking in call to actions, we're thinking in ideas. We're not just thinking to think. I think that's Super Saiyan 2 marketing. I think you're right. Uh, everyone has it, they just haven't grabbed it. That's a tweet. So it's like Dan Go posted this. By the way, Dan Go, really good marketer. I know he's about fitness, but like if you can study him, he's really good at marketing. But Dan, uh, he said, if you can think, you can tweet or post or whatever, right? We just have a lot of thoughts. Like I, I don't know if you guys have ever gone on a Zoom call or you're somebody calls you because you broke up with whoever. And you're trying to give them advice and then you give them advice, even though you haven't been in that situation. And you're like, damn, that was some fire advice. I'm so good at this. Right. That's that's a tweet. Right. Yeah. We just don't we just don't recall it from the things that we do, which is where the story uh, story worthy exercise um, comes in clutch that can help. Yeah, I tried to do it for a little bit where I just only tweeted when I thought the tweet. But what I found in myself doing was putting half half tweets in the draft because what would happen is I would get all my ideas, my best ideas. And this still to this day, I get all my best ideas on my calls with my clients and on sales calls and calls with my team. But I'm not like pausing a sales call or pausing a client call or pausing a team call to go make the tweet. So what I have, and I, I stole this from you. I had this for like very long time was having an assistant go and record all of the great things. And this was, it was actually the questions I got into a Google doc. I think the next level of that is recording the highlights of my calls into a Google doc in form of tweets. And I think that is probably the best way I'll be able to get those thoughts into tweets is by going back and watching my call recordings and then just transcribing it into tweets. Cause that's when I say I get the most fire in those calls. And like, even in these podcasts, how many tweets have I said that are, how many things have we said that could be good tweets, good threads and good long form stories, etc. And like, I think this is also what we do for clients. So now we're dropping sauce. Yeah. Okay. Well, here's some sauce. Is, isn't there like a, a, an AI that can do that for you? It's so bad. Um, yeah. So, so here's the AI way and then here's the ghostwriter way. So the AI way is to go into these podcasts or YouTube videos, download the Chrome extension GLASP, G-L-A-S-P. It will automatically not only take the transcription, but it'll plug it into ChatGPT and you can summarize the transcription automatically and it'll give you the key points. It'll turn it into a framework, et cetera. And then you can use that to write threads and whatnot. Um, that's the AI way, but it's super robotic. The ghostwriter way is to sit there and watch this on 1.5 X. And this is why we really love clients who do podcasts. Um, we love clients who do podcasts or go on podcasts or even do YouTube videos. The clients who do video have the best written, because we don't have to create so much stuff from scratch that it doesn't really create a unique voice. We can take what they're saying and turn it into, we can caps lock what they're saying basically. So you, it's funny because you really can't skip around in this podcast. It's so, con it's so chronological. So if you're here and you haven't listened to the first hour, 
you need to listen to in porn because now we're using context from the beginning of the podcast. So if you caps lock uh, the things that are in the videos, you can turn them into thread frameworks. You could turn them into carousel frameworks, et cetera. And they hit really hard on social media. And Julia was just telling you her thread carousels are doing really well. And that's why. It's because we're ca basically caps locking the things she's saying in her podcast, the things she's saying in her videos, the things she's saying in her shorts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but the ghostwriter way is to watch it on 1.5x and just find things that you can caps lock, find things that you can turn into templatable tweets almost, good banger tweets. And this is where the swipe file comes in handy. A swipe file gives you really good structures for, for banger tweets and really good structures for viral threads, but I'm never gonna give you the idea because you can't copy someone's story. Done. Yes, this is what I, what I think about AI. I think AI is excellent for shooting, not good at aiming. Mm. That's a tweet. So if you come up with the idea and you let the AI develop it, excellent. But if you let AI come to the idea, that removes the personalization aspect, which is like you're going to stand out being you. Like your goal shouldn't be to be the best in the niche. It should be the only in the niche. Mm. So it should be about being you. AI can't be you. So if you outsource the aim, you're fucking it up. If you outsource the shooting, that's a better idea. Yeah. And this is actually, um, I don't know if I talked about this on the last podcast, but did I talk about how Elon Musk uses Twitter, but Zuckerberg doesn't use threads and that's why it's a better product? You didn't, honey. All right. So, I'll talk, so I'll talk about it. Um, the best way to know if your product sucks is if you don't use it. And... The reason that thread sucks is because Zuckerberg doesn't even use threads. There was like a long period where he didn't, he didn't write a, a post, a thread, a tweet. There's a long period where he didn't even use it. Elon Musk uses Twitter all day, every day. And Elon Musk drives a Tesla. And Elon Musk, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? He uses his own products. It's almost like he's building the product for himself. And if you, you can tangent this to uh, Rick Rubin. Rick Rubin, when he was talking to Kanye, he's like, your song should never, like, no one should be able to replicate this. You need to make it for you. Yeah, like, he, he said, if your song could be in somebody else's album, it can't be on your record. Exactly. And I think you should think that way for your product. And this is where it clicked for me. It's like, how can I do what I'm doing and not even be my own client? So I'm now becoming a client of the birdhouse. Not just me writing my own stuff. I want to be a client. I want to go through my own onboarding process. I want to be my own client that puts out, I want to be a client that gets content from the birdhouse. I want the, I want the automation. I want the sales process. I want everything because if it's good enough for me, it can be good enough for someone else. Maybe that's why you don't believe in, uh, in newsletters or you're bearish on them. That's exactly why it's because I don't like them. Yeah. I love them. But I do know that they work. And I think there's also a certain point where you have to bite the bullet and be like, and I think this is what makes a good CEO, a great CEO. I think what separates a good CEO from a great CEO is a good CEO will not only do the product for themselves and use it and it's good enough for them, a great CEO will add something to their product and make decisions based on the customer and not just themselves. So I think I don't like newsletters, but I have to be smart enough and a good enough CEO to know that data says that they work and I know my clients want them. So it'd be doing a disservice to my team to not at least think about adding email services because if it's money on the table money for my clients good results my team can do it easily i could pay my team more i get better results right like just because i don't like newsletters you know what i mean that's like elon musk if there's a tesla and he's like well i like well i like uh these tires well these other tires are cheaper to make 
you're going to sell more cars. They have better traction. They're going to cause less accidents. But because Elon Musk doesn't like them, we're not going to put them in. So I think that's what separates a good CEO from a great CEO, in my opinion. Do you like podcasts? Doing them or listening? Listening. Love podcasts. Done. I'm very picky, though. I'm very picky. What are, what are some good ones? Which ones do you like? So my current lineup for podcasts is... Um, I don't listen to it that much, but I do have the Hormozy podcast. Like, the Hormozy podcast isn't really a podcast, so it's like I'll listen to it here and there. Three, um, Joe Rogan, and the reason I like the Joe Rogan one, and this is actually a Sam Ovens quote. Sam Ovens, Joe Rogan, you, you guys should be—I should be getting commission for how many times I've mentioned you. But Sam Ovens said that he drives a Tesla and uses Apple Y because I always want to be using the best products because it puts me in the mind of innovation. If I'm always using the best products, I'm always in the state of innovation for myself and my own products. That's what pushed me over the edge to getting a Tesla and using the best of everything. I have an iPhone 15. I have a brand new MacBook. I have a Tesla. If you're always in a state of innovation, you will innovate for yourself and your own products. Um, but some podcasts I like are the Joe Rogan one is he's the best podcast in the world. So you have to listen to Joe Rogan. Yeah, I like that one. If you have your own podcast and you don't listen to Joe Rogan, how can you be serious? <laughs> like at least sometimes at least and i don't listen to every episode i listen to the episodes for people i like um so the joe rogan podcast i stopped listening to lex freeman nothing against him but it's just so so it's so slow yeah. so unless like elon musk is the, the, the guest or someone that's really cool that i like is the guest i won't listen when people think and when they talk about it in like big big terms i tune out this is why i can't listen to huberman I don't see did, did you know about the XYZ one, two, three cortex? No. <laughs> and I don't care. <laughs> well, that's why I like Joe Rogan's podcast. Cause Joe Rogan, he's the kind of person that he'll bring on like a PhD quadruple doctor, like super Saiyan five. And then the doctor will say my, my cerebral cortex, blah, blah, blah. And Joe Rogan's like, so brain do this when I do this. <laughs> he's one of us. One of us. Yeah, he's one of us. <laughs> he dumbs it down for us, which is why I like it. Whereas the Lex Friedman podcast is kind of like two really smart people talking. So you kind of just don't even know what they're talking about. So those yeah. are the main ones. Um, Rogan is in an e ESTP. Oh, wow. He's you, but extroverted. Yeah, he's me, but extroverted. Like, we, we just want the simple things. Bro, can we talk about MBTI? Yeah, real quick, just to finish the list because I know there's oh, I know there's some marketers listening. Uh, I really like Eric Sue's podcast. He's a big marketing agency owner. Um, he's had a lot of big people on his podcast too, like Mark Manson, Subtle Art, Not Giving a Fuck, um, some other people. Eric Sue's a big agency owner, so I like his podcast. Um, and then that's really it, to be honest. Like those are my main those are my main ones. And then I'll usually just listen to oh, new one that I've been listening to. I, I'm slipping the name's slipping me, but my phone's on the camera. Jay, you know the Ozark, the show? I know of it. Jo so Jason Bateman, the main character, he's in a ton of movies. He has a podcast and his guests are so cool. Steph Curry, Selena Gomez. No way. Yeah. <laughs> it's the coolest podcast. I forget what it's called. I think it's like Spaceless or something like that. Uh, that podcast, when my friend told me about it, I was like, that's a good one for entertainment because it's just I love podcasts that have guests where you're like, where else am I going to be able to listen to this person on a podcast? Yeah. And so, you know, Selena Gomez is one of the top 10 most followed people in the world. Steph Curry, you know, one of the most followed people in America. So that's a cool podcast. Well, I haven't seen that one. It's I'll a look. very small curated list. I like, I'll occasionally listen to my first million. I know. Oh yeah. I don't listen to it anymore, but I do listen to the clips. It, my first million, it just gets me 
shiny object syndrome like crazy. That's why I stopped listening. Yeah, they're like, I'm like, you know, I'm running this business. And I'm like, bro, why are we not selling garbage trucks right now? Like that's that's the future. Clearly, <laughs> that's funny. Right? We should totally start an AI newsletter. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. Um, podcasts are all about your season too like it just depends it just i know you hate that word but it just depends what is what season are you in marcos the season of in the trenches i need yes i'm in the in trenches the i like like little nuggets now or entertainment no in between like if it's something like that where it's like if i was if i just exited my business my first million would be a great podcast because you get all the ideas in the world and you get your juices flowing but right now like that's not what i need to hear so I usually have entertainment and then the ones that are going to give me some tactical advice and that's it. My YouTube feed is all Super Smash Brothers, <laughs> Naruto, Jujutsu Kaisen. Same. Mine's anime, Jujutsu Kaisen, Naruto, Hunter Hunter, etc. And then it's like chess and then it's like Call of Duty and then it's like Sam Hobbits. <laughs> that's like my whole YouTube feed. <laughs> I think it's important to um, introduce. You know, you know what's really interesting. The I usually get maybe like one or two thousand views on on my shorts. I'll say like I'll say like one thousand. What do you get now? There was one. No, like usually it's like one thousand, right? But there was one that got four thousand and a hundred and ninety likes. So. But not many comments. So maybe that tells me that some people resonated with that. So I want to bring it up again. I, I muted a bunch of, I muted like the Hormozis. I muted a bunch of typical guru stuff because I felt like I wasn't, they were, they're excellent at what they do, you know, God bless them. But they don't want what I want. And I felt like when I was trying to say things, I was only copying and saying the things that they told me so when you mentioned this curated list of podcasts and us just watching anime and i watch super smash brother videos i think that there's a lot of value in finding people who don't have big followings who are not very listened to and bringing that into your marketing we talked about this last podcast because if you can't be the first one be the first one in a category mm. so like i was asking marcos what's the biggest narco in colombia it's like like ever he's like oh well escobar right who's the second biggest narco in colombia who knows right nobody knows but if i ask you who's the biggest narco in mexico that you know of? it's like oh chapo right el chapo and i think that it's valuable that if you find somebody who's crushing it in a small niche taking those ideas and bringing them into your niche um that makes you the first one off a category which people see you as the authority on that so that's why i'm not big on following the people everybody follows because then you know the same things everybody knows pull up my uh can you pull up my twitter feed i just made it this funny divine timing i was just gonna bring this up i made a tweet uh two days ago and it was basically there's these three new accounts that popped up on my feed and i was like these are really interesting accounts three different accounts super niche and high level the, so the profile picture is just a solid color blue red and pink i there's people in the comments were fighting over are these the same person are they not is this a conspiracy it was really funny is it a sunburn firm yep bro you, you that guys so my tweet got you know 55 likes like i wasn't i was very surprised my new favorite genre of X accounts is the solid color PFP who drop consistent value. And I'll show the camera. 
I'll give you their ads. It's the it's the law shorts, and he's a business attorney, attorney, tax law and real estate, entropy chaser, and he's like direct response. And then there's the Sunburn firm, and he's an enterprise tech CEO and international wealth management. And I was like, these are the most niche, and combined, they have about ten thousand followers. All three accounts, so they have like one thousand, four thousand, and nine thousand, or six thousand, or whatever. And I was like, this is my new favorite account because they drop consistent value. They're so niche. They're basically a niche of one. How many enterprise anonymous tech CEOs who do international wealth management strategy are there? Like how many business tax law attorneys in the world are there, right? So these are really cool accounts, but it's not just that. They're also posting really good content that's highly, highly valuable. And that resonated with me. So I made that tweet and it kind of goes with what you said is I think they're all basically just the first in their niche. Maybe not the direct response guy, but definitely sunburn firm and law and the business tax law guy, because they're not just posting like tax law advice. They're posting against the grain, little known advice, little known hacks, and they're staying anonymous. And it's really cool behind the scenes of an enterprise tech CEO, like really almost like the dark, like the underground world of tax CEOs, the underground world of law. Um, so these are really cool. So I think there's a big opportunity for high authority CEOs, doctors, et cetera. There's another one that I saw and I put him in my swipe file that's coming out next week. It was a bowtie dentist or bowtie dental. And oh, the gator? Yeah, yeah, yeah gator yeah, dentist. He basically yeah. just posts against the grain dental advice. And I literally looked it up because I was telling JK, I'm like, there's a million doctors. There's a million dentists. There's so many people in this in this country and world in that are high authority that don't really have a social presence. So I was like, you know what? I need to really make this swipe file about everyone, not just for the agency owners, not just for the coaches. This is for everyone. So I even looked up dentists, just typed it in on Twitter and this guy came up and he's posting like really controversial dental advice. And I'm like, this is awesome. And I think there's a huge opportunity over the next few years for these dentists and doctors and tech CEOs and lawyers to come in and build real personal brands. Um, so I think that's cool. Yeah, the, this is the part where Marcos gets super high level. He just knows everything that's going on in the world. It, he just hubermans me. And I'm like, okay, Marcos, like, <laughs> how do you post things? Like, how do, how do you make money? I'm going to convince, I'm going to accidentally convince JK to go make $5 million a month. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> it was an accident, but it's happening. Yeah. All right. Uh, did you pre prepare some stuff? I prepared some stuff. All right, let's go. All right. So I um I have a thing called the cash creator maxims. So this is kind of caps locking. What a few of the you could call it controversial or you could just call it right things I believe in when it comes to monetizing audiences that uh kind of goes against the whole creator economy. So I'm going to read a few and if one catches your attention, let me know. We can talk about that one. Okay. The longer someone consumes your free content, the less likely they are to become paid clients. A prospect at rest stays at rest. A prospect in motion stays in motion. We don't do maybes. It's either a yes or a move on. Ooh, let's go with that one. Uh, let's do that one. I think that it's the maybes that kill you. It's not the girl that rejects you or the girl that says yes. It's the girl that she's kind of like keeping you under your toes and you don't really know. That's the one that drains you the mm. energy. It's not the prospect that says, I'm not interested, thank you, that kills you. It's actually the one that's like, oh, follow up next month. Maybe I'll be in a better position. Cash flow is a really tight right now, but I'll let you know later. 
I'll definitely buy from you someday. Those kind of people are what kills you. So one of the cash creator maxims I, uh, you know, I, I show people and I practice for myself is we don't do maybes. It's either a yes or a move on. It's having times where people cannot buy anything from you. I think that uh, in the coaching, service, consulting, supply at some point got unlimited and stayed unlimited. Because if you people don't buy from you today, they know that tomorrow you, you will still be there. Therefore, there is no consequence. Therefore, the supply is unlimited. And I don't believe in that. I believe that if you want to have like actually like have less stress in your business, you should stop the maybes. And if people don't respond after a few follow-ups, you close the file. Because I think those are the ones that kill you. And the energy required to chase a prospect exceeds the energy required to replace that prospect. Therefore, your energy is better placed than just finding somebody who will say yes and not doing maybes. That's a good point. I think it's like that. It's like relationships. It's like you don't want... Nothing's worse than a dragged on relationship that's going to fail anyway. It's like, I'm going to take a break. Take a break. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> like how many, how many people have heard like, let's take a break. It's like, no, you need closure immediately. Cause especially too, it's not only sales, but dating. It's like, it's a numbers game. It's like, you can't do the numbers required to succeed. If you're stuck in this weird gray, lukewarm area of like, maybe let's take a break. Let's stay friend. No, 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 no. Yes. No, I need to move on because, you know, I only have one life. You only have one business. You only have, you know what I mean? You're still getting your, you still have to pay rent next month. You need to be able to hit the numbers required to hit the KPIs to actually do well, just like in dating. So it needs to be yes, no, move on. And I think that's a good, that's a good point. Cause I get, I've gotten some maybe people where I'm just like, okay, I'll follow up in a month. I'm like, ugh. <laughs> like, it's cause you're a good person. Yeah. Bro. <laughs> like you should, like, no, you should be meaner. Yeah. Did I, did I ever tell you how my last relationship ended? No. I know, it. I know I didn't tell you that let's one. Let's do I, it. I know I haven't told you about that one. It was a place I didn't really want to be in. It was a big maybe from me. It's like, it's not the worst. It's not the best. So I was listening to this podcast and there it was one line with this platitude line. But to me, it hit me so hard. The guy said uh, he was multimillionaire, doing really well, had a really good family, you know, a good wife, kids. But he wanted to lose more weight. And he was like not really overweight. He was just kind of chubby. And they asked him, why are you pushing so hard? And he said, because to me, it is unacceptable for me to have an area in my life in which I did not get what I wanted. And I felt that. I felt that. And going back and looking at my relationship, I was, this is not what I want. And I had to like just say, like, I'm done. This is it. It sucked. It was horrible. Like just a really bad stuff. Something clicked. Okay, we're good. It was horrible, but uh, it was better than a maybe because a maybe would have would have kept me there for years. And I'd rather have that little bit pain of no than a maybe that lasts that long. So if you're right now thinking about like, I have a maybe in my life, prospect, relationship or whatever, 
it's that's what kills you. The no hurts, but it's done. The maybe is the one that kills you for long. Yeah, I agree. And I think, um, you know, I think the nuance here, especially for me, is I've had clients that have closed over the course of there's like a six month close. But here's the caveat is I didn't take a call with them every month and I didn't talk to them every month. It was more like they follow me. We had a call. They weren't ready. It's like, okay, no follow-up date. They were like one day. And I just, you know, they consume my content. They build, they might DM me, but I'm not really giving them a ton of attention. They come back to me later on. I didn't follow up with them. They followed up with me because they continue to see the evolution. They see all the results we're getting. We're putting out case study, case study, case study. And it became a six month close, not because I was following up every month for six months and draining my energy, but because on the first call, we were like, all right, not a good fit, but maybe, you know, down the line, you reach, I was like, you reach back out to me. And it actually was a six month They, you know, I learned, I think I met them in like a January and they closed in like an August or something like that. So it was like a 10 month close, whatever, eight month close. At least it didn't drain your energy. But they didn't drain my energy. Like they, we both had the respect. I was like, you're going to be a good fit one day, but not now. So you reach back out to me when you're ready. And I, the job that I had to do in order to convert that, in my opinion, was the content and the and putting out the constant social proof, social proof, social proof, because I have to continue to sell new people, but also that person with my content and my personal brand. And I think that's kind of the important uh, importance of maintaining those content pillars that we mentioned earlier is having that content constantly streaming out because people will, you can close people just from your content. And I know you've done it. Um, so I think that's important. Do you do you think about those kind of pillars when you post? As in, Mondays I do P, Tuesdays I do E, and then S T O. Or I'm Super Saiyan two, bro. What's Super Saiyan two? It's unconscious now. It's oh, there like, you go. Yeah, now it's just like I I just I don't have any filter on those five pillars. So those five things come out naturally when I see something's trending. I'm like, I'm gonna put out my opinion on that trending thing, or if something happens in my life, I'm like, I want to write a story about that. Um, practical advice on personal really cool thing that you can do if you are lacking content if you have apple pull up the photo album scroll to the top and just go line go picture by picture on your most old pictures in your photo album and like that's a good picture what's the story that's a good picture what's the story and then all you have to do is be think to yourself what's the story what was the lesson so if you can have hook story lesson Perfect framework, find any picture in your throwbacks for your photo album and you can write a, a story with a hook and a lesson and it's a banger. So that's a practical tip to get really good personal and storytelling tweets. Storytelling is one of those things that sounds like fairy dust. Yeah, <laughs> storytelling. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, you're gonna, you're gonna do a book of branding, you know, and yeah. a lot of nice colors, but it's actually practical. Yeah, well, what people don't realize, like, it sounds daunting when you say storytelling, because when you think story, you think book. That's what people think. But really, what all a story is, is stuff happened. What happened? Thing happened. This happened to me. What happened to me today? What happened on this day? What happened in this picture? It could be five sentences, and it can be 100 sentences. So it's not really that daunting if you think about it, and what is the thing, and what happened? And that's it. And just Done. tell it like you would tell, like, if you're telling me. Like what? Oh, oh but that's tricky though. That's tricky. Like, yeah. I'll tell you one thing. Like, I grew up with this um, one of my dad's friends, Juan Carlos. He was like nice, the life of the party, bro. Like that guy could tell a story. And I remember Juan Carlos had a kid, <laughs> Juan Diego. But 
I didn't want to hang out with Manuel as much as I just wanted to sit at the adults' dinner table so I could just listen to the stories because me being an extreme introvert, I needed to know how this guy did it. So uh, for him, it's like, yeah, just tell a story. It's not, it's not as easy. Like to me, it was hard. But the story-worthy exercise does help because if I tell a story impromptu, sometimes it really sucks. Like, I, I don't get the punchline right. But uh, it's okay because people are not born with it. You just you do learn that as you go. Mm. Another good way. Another good way to find uh, stories in your life because I feel like a lot of people think my story is not that exciting. Your story doesn't need to be exciting to tell the story. You just have to have a relatable story. Most people aren't exciting. Most people aren't Batman. Most people didn't get their leg blown off. Most people don't have a bajillion dollars. So if most people aren't that exciting, you just need to be relatable. I thought I found a good exercise where it's like, think of your life in chapters. So like for me, right? High school, college, army, business number one, fail. Business number two, fail. Business number three, fail. So like there's like 10 chapters there. Each one of those chapters has micro stories in it and overarching stories. So I can just think about like, where do I want to tell a story and just like dive into that chapter. So for me, if I go military, I can just look up an album of my military photos or I'll just scroll back to the time period on my album. So for me, it'd be like 2019 when I was at training and I'll have all the pictures of me and camo and all this stuff. Boom, picture, tell the story of what was happening in the picture. What's the, what's the story about the military? <clears throat> so the reason I got into, not the reason I got into, I was into entrepreneurship from high school and beyond with my dad watching Shark Tank. But the trigger that got me into online entrepreneurship was when I was at advanced training so it's called AIT, Advanced Individual Training. And I was a 25 Bravo, which is a IT specialist. So I was at IT school for six months. It's a long school. It was in uh, Fort Gordon, Georgia. And one of the guys I met at basic training, we went from Fort Benning to Fort Gordon together. And he, his dad was like a chief and whatnot. He showed me on his phone, uh, Forex, Forex trading. And it was just the app. And it was like MetaTrader 4. And he showed me, look, I made uh, I made like a hundred bucks. It's a demo account. I made a hundred bucks on this one trade. I was like a hundred bucks on one trade. We're in the military. We're making like eighteen hundred dollars a month. <laughs> I was like, holy shit! Uh, and then he goes, oh yeah, there's this course. There's this guy who who sells a course for five hundred dollars. We should go half on it. And I was like, all right, I'll go half on it. And then I obviously went through the course. What? And this is the first ever online course I bought. And this was two thousand eighteen. 2018, first ever online course I bought, I learned this is where I started getting into internet marketing. I was like, this guy's doing internet marketing to sell this $500 course. I just went half with this guy. We were on, I think it was Kajabi back then. Um, and we watched the course. And then I learned how to take trades and all this stuff. And I would make like 10 bucks, 20 bucks, 100 bucks. I was obsessed. We would be trading like in between classes because it's basically like college, military college. It's kind of like the same thing, just a little bit stricter. And I would go trade and we'd make 100 bucks, whatever. I was upset. The fact that you could just make money on your phone stuck with me, man. Like that's the Kool-Aid never went back. That's where the rabbit hole went in. So I actually would not have probably, I don't know where my trigger would have been if you believe in fate, but my trigger only happened because I joined the military, which is interesting because the military is the opposite of entrepreneurship, <laughs> like actually the polar opposite. So, um, yeah, that's my story. That's some good shit. That's some good. Like, see, these stories help you connect yeah. with people. It's like, <laughs> Like, I forgot what Marcus was saying five minutes before he started talking. Like, I was just be honest. But now that he said the story, yeah. 
I'm like, yeah, money from your phone trading. Fuck yeah. Yeah, like, it's pretty crazy. It gets you into that. I'll tell you one thing that I think it's relevant. In the creator economy nowadays, it's uh, very common for people to go with, I'm just sharing what I learned. I'm just um, building in public. I'm just trying to learn from everyone. Uh, I'm just a beginner mindset. And I think that hurts you. And from the way I got that was my first job, which was I went to this college uh, at night. So I was selling perfume door to door, but I got some money. And then my brother lent me some money and I bought this course at night for entrepreneurship. Most of the classes were like, meh, but there was this one marketing class that was really good. And I was obsessed because the guy was teaching Facebook ads and showing me how he made money. And I was, in love with that i was like this is so cool i've never like done that you know so i'm like you know what let me work for you like i don't i don't care what i do i'll just work for you you know kind of like uh get a mentor kind of stuff uh but anyway he was really kind he led me in and in the place he led me in there were three salespeople. one guy was super introverted the other one was kind of in the middle but the most successful one was really extroverted. So I am more like, like if you were in a one to 10 in introvert scale, I'm like maybe like a introvert, extrovert is a 10. I'm like a two or three. So I'm like, let me learn from the introvert. And I was trying to do his, stu his stuff, didn't really work. The guy in the middle, I tried to copy what he did. It was okay. And I tried to copy, I thought, okay, he's the most successful one. He's the extrovert, let me copy him. And I was copying everything he was doing, but it just didn't match. Like the things just weren't in there. And I'm like, how is it working for him? And I'm doing the exact same thing, but it's not working for me. I'm saying the same lines, but I'm not selling. And he is. One time I went to the other sales guy and I asked him, dude, how do I get better at this? This is not working. And he told me, bro, you know what? You're fucking up. And I'm like, what? You're trying to copy all of us. But that style is not natural to you. You try to listen to everyone except to yourself. And you are the one that's trying to do the thing. You're going to get better the moment you find your own style and you stop trying to copy all of us. Even if you don't know all the basics, if you follow your own intuition, you're still going to be better because it comes natural to you. And that shit stuck with me. And that's when I thought, yeah, like the main thing is like, following your own intuition, being self-reliant. And that's when I like, I made uh, the conscious decision to, I'm going to hear everyone, but I'm going to listen to myself. Nice. Tweet that. Tweet that. Yeah, there you go. Let's go. Want to go on the Cash Creators Maxims or yeah. you got some other stuff? Yeah, let's finish it. Go through the Maxims. Uh, I think you got like a bunch there still. Yeah, I got, I got some stuff. Yeah, we, 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 we note apping here. Note apping. Recurring revenue beats volatile revenue. Power goes to the most limited resource. Lack of clients doesn't give you anxiety. Lack of clarity on how to get them does. Personalization makes up for a lack of systemization. An offer that's too irresistible attracts clients that are too intolerable. Let's do that one. Yeah, that's, that's a true, true yeah, statement. That goes hard. Okay. Yeah. So... Irresistible offers. Of course, everybody needs a good offer, right? But if it's too irresistible, you get the lowest of the low of the low. Growing up, I had a friend, Juan Diego. Now, Juan Diego used to be a person that was 
what I call downside, uh, downside focused. Every time we went to play, he's American, so he calls it soccer. I call it the right way, which is football. We went to play football. He just had a horrible mindset. He thought, what if I get injured? What if I get hurt? And somehow, every time we went out to play, the ball just found a way to his nose. Somehow, it would just be out for the day. He was super downside focused. Now, this guy, when he first started working, um, like work, working with my stuff, I think your expenses con- counting my stuff were higher than what you were making at the time. Yeah. How much was it? Was it like a thousand more or something? Yeah, it was, it was like 3,700 were my expenses and 3K was my revenue, not including taxes. <laughs> so that was my revenue. It was like plus Stripe, plus taxes. So like, it was like double basically what my yeah. expenses were. This dude is an upside focused person. Juan Diego would have looked at that shit and be like, I'm not going to get my ROI. This is way too much. I'm not going to do it. This motherfucker found a way. It's like, I'm going to make it happen because I have no other fucking choice. Or I will die. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be homeless. I don't eat. <laughs> and he did it, yeah. right? He was an upside focused person. Yeah. When your offer is too irresistible, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And if not, your money back. And if not, guarantee. And if not, blah, 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 blah. It attracts Juan Diego's. It attracts too many people that are downside focused. And they cannot win because they're not thinking about scoring goals. They're thinking about not being scored on. Whereas if you have a little bit of friction in your offer, it attracts more marcuses. People who just find a way. If you have an offer that's too irresistible, you attract people that are too intolerable. I agree. Yeah, I think, yeah. That's just like a whole separate conversation. Like you have to push yourself to that limit if you actually want to succeed. You get tired already? Uh, I'm not too tired. I was just thinking about that. I was like, this. I just think most people are just not willing to take that risk. You have to have that risk tolerance, I think, to to really succeed. You just got, you have to. Yeah, it's I think it's it's I don't know if it's it's what do you think? Do you think it's taught or do you think it's born? you're born with it in terms of like risk tolerance and like actually having that determination? Because that's like tough. I think it's uh, I don't think you're born with much, really. Like, I, I think you, you develop those kind of things. That's why the only privilege you really have is like good parents. It's just like living in a good place, you know, so if they touch well. Yeah, that's fair. Let's keep going. Oh, by the way, uh, some ways to make your offer not a little bit of healthy resistance. I don't do guarantees. Do you? No. Fuck guarantees. My thing is like, we're going to make more money than you pay us. And if we don't, then we could just go our separate ways. I don't do, I always say this on sales calls. I don't do guarantees, but I don't, I also don't do commitments. So you're not committed and you do the same thing. Yeah. I don't do guarantees. I also don't do commitments. So we were given, we're both given something here. I'm giving up my commitment. You don't have to work with me for three, six, whatever months, but like a lot of agencies do. And you're giving up the fact that I don't have a guarantee. It's a trade-off. Yeah. I mean, people with guarantees, people with guarantees usually have some sort of commitment because they're like, I, in order to hit that guarantee, you have to work with me for however many days, right? Like 90 days. And I don't lock people into 90 days. You know, I stopped doing uh, contracts and commitments. Churn stayed around the same, but I got more yeses, so I just kept it. Nice. Yeah. What do you have to say to the people who are like, never trust the people who say that 
we can't do it. If you can't do a handshake, you can't do a contract or whatever. You know what I'm talking about? Like the people who say you need contracts or you can't trust them. Depends on the age. If he's a boomer, then I get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, my thing is like, you have to, I always look at things. I'm, I'm super logical with this. I'm like, what do, what does the person selling something have to lose? And what does the person buying something have to lose? JK has 300,000 followers and his entire reputation lying on this. If he was to fuck you over, you are giving him $300 a week. Who has more to lose here? You lose your three. He's not trying to scam your 300 bucks and give up his entire fucking career and personal brand, bro. Like, come on, use your, you know what I mean? Use your head. And then there's the people who are like, no, but they always want to be safe. So that also ties into the risk tolerance. Like I'm risk tolerant enough to be like, I'm using my logical brain here. If he scams me for 300 bucks, so be it. I'll ruin him. (laughs) That's how I see it. So that's right. Yeah. Don't be a a Juan Diego, be a Marcos. Yeah. That's the lesson. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm almost done, but let's go. Let's finish through them. We're almost at two hours. Oh. So, whale bait attracts whales, fish bait attracts fish. Your swipe file is going to attract a lot of fish, Marcus. It's going to attract whales. Watch. No, that's what you think. <laughs> Don't create content, collect it. The energy required to chase a client exceeds the energy required to replace them. Ooh, what do you mean by that? Okay, so it, it, it was the baby's thing. You know, it's like if you chase a client too much or a prospect, sorry, this should be prospect. The energy required to chase a prospect exceeds the energy required to replace them. It's the babies that kill you. True. People only read testimonials to justify making a purchase, not before the purchase. Lead nurturing is a myth. A person's interest peaks the moment they move to the next stage of the funnel. I have a story here. Two kinds of clients. Client number one. Uh, I'm just going to say the initial C. So C, we got on a call. He, I've seen his email before a few times, but uh, anyway, signed up. We talk, he's like, JK, I'm like, what? Do you know how many emails you've sent me before I signed up? I'm like, no, I pulled it up. I sent that guy 531 emails before he decided to give me money. You know, I wish I could tell you this is a play the long game story. But to me, this is embarrassing. That's a horrible conversion windows, bro. There are Netflix shows that are shorter. Now, there's another story of this guy. He's Jay. Jay and Sunday morning had no clue who I was. Sunday evening, some dude tells him about me. Monday, he buys a workshop. Tuesday, becomes a client. Lead speed. So, what I think... uh, the maxim is lead nurturing is a lie. A person's interest peaks the moment they move to the next stage of the funnel. People, if, when you sign up to something, that's when your interest is going to peak in that something. Like if I sign up to, um, I don't know, like, uh, I don't know, AI, right? We we're talking about AI earlier. In a week, I'm probably not going to care. But today, it might make be the best and only chance people have of making me an offer of buy this $7 ebook on how to do AI, right? Do those kind of stuff. So I don't believe in lead nurturing because I believe more in just offer-based newsletters and offer-based businesses, which is people join your stuff. Every follow is an implicit request for information. Charge for that information. Just offer something. That's why I don't believe. 
I don't believe in it. And I feel like if you make an offer every day, that severely increases your chances of making more money. But people are cutting this thing of, I want to build goodwill and I don't want to monetize now. And I think that's been popularized by these big gurus. And I think that giving everything away for free and never charging and never selling is a great business model if you're going to partner with two dozen people ever. For them, it makes sense. A real estate syndicate, somebody who has a, uh, who partners up with people only at a certain level, that makes a lot of sense because you have a limited amount of clients you're ever going to take, ever. Yeah. We don't play that game. Yeah. Typically, the people saying that have some sort of high-end Fortune 500 agency, venture capital or private equity or real estate. Those are the people that say all that. It's like they're basically talking to the highest level of prospect, whereas like we're not. So, so if we don't want the same things, then maybe we shouldn't follow the same strategies. Right. Make more offers. That's the conclusion. Do you use, let's get a, let's get a little autistic for the last eight minutes. Cause I want to say we went two hours. Can't be an hour 58. <laughs> so, um, do you use AI? Cause earlier you were saying, have you ever thought about just create JK said this to me over morning coffee. We've talked a lot over morning coffee. JK said, you ever thought about creating essentially inputting and taking all of your tweets, et cetera, and creating like a Marcos bot that can just create stuff in my own voice and i thought about it and i'm like well yeah i have thought about it but i have no idea how to do it so if you know how to do it dm me have you used do you use ai and have you thought about ways that it can help or are you actually just so simple with like google doc master race i i promise bro i'm so simple you know what my last ai search was what doji fushiguro body fat what does that mean oh (laughs) wait why because i wanted to look like doji bro so for those who don't know, that's Jujutsu Kaisen. He's dead. He dies twice. Shut up, bro. You're spoiling. <laughs> well, if you're two hours in, I mean, sure. Yeah. How many times have we talked about Jujutsu Kaisen where we're like, don't watch if you want, spo- if you don't want spoilers. Yeah, don't, this isn't an anime podcast. It is a great anime. Yeah. I'll be very honest. But that was the last He's one. not the main character. It's not spoiling anything. Yeah. Or I'll, I'll research how many calories do I burn if I am this tall, work for this much. How accurate is this watch versus that one? I don't use yeah at all. Yeah. I, I think it's like one of those things where it's a nice to have. And if someone came and did it for me, I'd probably test it and be like, that's fire. I'll pay 20 bucks a month if you can do this for me. But it's not something I'm going to actively go and spend all the time to do. I'm just, just not my thing, right? Like we got real businesses to run. <laughs> so if you're an AI guy who can create actual good JK Marcos AI clones that can actually create something useful we've got 40 bucks for you <laughs> a month <laughs> i nice. think i think that's basically what we're saying oh um, you know this uh i came up with a fire angle for an ai tool that i want to talk about i think that because ai is you know a lot of people who use ai are kind of like us it's like we have our thing going well we don't really understand this thing so we just if you can say hey press this does that then we're like done i'll give you money for that you know so this guy came up to me he's like i am looking for help crafting my offer around ai i'm like okay what can ai do save you time money effort attention i'm like okay cool so the offer was that we'll save you a few hours of time and and attention i'm like okay but here's something that i like to do i like to frame everything i do as a magic pill 
something that makes it easy to understand. Uh, and I frame this as that guy, you should pitch it as, I'm going to create an AI employee for you that does all the tasks that a $5,000 employee would do and more. And it's called Amy. So <clears throat> AI machine something, right? So what a Amy does is you give me less than $5,000 a month and I give you the $5,000 employee that does all of that. And we start by removing three tasks you hate to do and then test tasks you hate to do. And at the end, it replaces your current employee and you don't have to pay him $5,000. If you can frame everything you do from these complex topics like AI as a magic pill, that's a lot of value. And it makes it easier for people to buy. That's pretty dystopian. <laughs> like, you want to come to me, I will replace your human. <laughs> I will reduce your workload. It's a good idea too. It's a good price point too. It's like a play on you pay me I'll make you more than you pay me. It's the same thing. It's like, I will replace your VA employee, whatever, whatever you pay them per month, you pay me one time. And then you, yeah, that's smart. Yeah. That's really good. Someone's going to take that and make a lot of money. It's like, you're basically an AI agency. Yeah. And then you eventually sass it up. <laughs> it's like, and the fact that you give it names, it's not an AI employee. It's Amy. Yeah. You AI know? machine something or AI something, something. Marcus, can you can you pull something out of your ass for the last four minutes so we can say we went two hours? Yeah. We're going to pull out... Uh, what are we doing today? We're going to go to the Miami Beach. We're going to go to the beach. We're going to go to the beach. And can then... you believe... this guy? How long have you been living in Miami? Oh, two, three, four. Four months. Okay, so we go to dinner last night. And he says, yeah, I'm actually never going to the beach. In Miami. <laughs> in Miami. Yeah. yeah. What the fuck's wrong with you? I've never been... I haven't been to a beach yet. I haven't been to a club. I haven't been to a bar. All I've done since I've been in Miami is work and travel and walk around in the, in the heat. And that's honestly why I live here. Because if you think about it, like, and I was thinking about this, there's not a lot of places in the U.S. where you can kind of get this nice high-rise apartment in a nice upscale neighborhood, eastern time zone, good weather year-round. Go with no taxes and state taxes. Go. That's it. It's just Miami. It's literally Miami and Tampa. <laughs> and then I chose, I literally chose Miami because it has more networking opportunities, which it has. Like, for example, you're here on a one day layover because it goes straight to Warsaw. You would not have went straight to Warsaw from Tampa, right? Maybe you might have, but probably not. That's part of the reason is because people stop in Miami all the time. Art Basel was here. So many people were here for Art Basel. So I met up with multiple people who came in for Art Basel. So that's why. I chose Miami and it worked out that way and it's pretty much it. But yeah, it's a good place to live. I feel like if you're doing, I'm not going to say it. If you're in this portion of your life, <laughs> if you're in this portion of your life. I hate that. The season or whatever. It's like, bro, just, just, just tell me you eat desserts. Like, well, just, I'll just, just say, say I actually think most people do Miami wrong. I think they, they think they have to do all the yachts and the clubs and everything. But if you just want to be productive, it's a great city to be productive. Because you get good heat, everything's accessible, Eastern time zone, airport that goes everywhere, people stopping in, networking opportunities. Bro, you know what makes you productive? European fucking winter, bro. <laughs> There's nothing to do. 
just sit. I'm like the opposite. And type. If it's too cold, I'm like in a hoodie and like gloves and socks and I'm just cozy. I just want to watch Netflix. <laughs> I just want to do nothing. But if I'm like, I just went on a walk and I can come back and I'm in my shorts and I'm hyped up, have coffee. I'm more like, let's go. And I can just go on my balcony, get some vitamins and then come back. Not you. If you go on your balcony in Poland, you're going to freeze your ass off. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. See, this, so. is why, this is why Europeans smoke so much. Hits you up. Yeah. So next uh, next episode, you're going to be in Poland and I'm going to be here. But uh, we'll probably meet up in London. Yeah. That would be cool. That's going to be the next one. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Dude, this, the thing about this in-person podcast is I enjoy them a lot more because I can like I see you from the corner of my eye. I can I can see the cues when you're like you want to talk mm. or you're like you're laying back so it's like okay it's my time to rant yeah i find that the in-person podcasts i i mean they're more enjoyable to listen to not only make but listen to because there's a different like energy. chemistry and energy between the people who do it uh-oh you're you've been baited oh we're having it's a the energy bro a <laughs> it's the energy no it, it was way i think you get more t you get more get more topics done too because it's so much faster Cause you're right here and neither of you are distracted by what's in your environment. We have the same environment. Everything is very uh, fast. By and the way, something happened in this podcast that has never happened. It's Marco's getting tired before me of the recording. Like yeah. this never happens. I mean, two hours. This is the longest podcast, like by double. <laughs> we went like an hour and two minutes is our max. So yeah, there's no fake intro this time unless you want to do it. Uh, no, I think we just, just jump right into this we one. Just run, just run right in. That this is a this is a good format. I've never seen anyone do this format where it's like laptop and two mics and like webcam. Usually it's if it's like this, like I know the Tates do it, but it's more like production. This is literally like webcam with two people on the screen. Yeah, I enjoyed this. <laughs> this is fun. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the Likes and Cash podcast and we'll see you around. Cheers.